Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 19th ever show of All Around Sports, live from the City of Champions, Boston, Massachusetts. For each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which goes right through my website at iirsports.com. And as always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I will discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past weekend's news, as well as take you inside my event of the week that I attended. My highlight of the week is Keegan Bradley winning the PGA tournament in what was just uh, riveting, riveting golf theater on Sunday evening, afternoon. Uh, and the interesting thing, the coincidental thing with this, is that uh, Keegan is from nearby Hopkinton, Massachusetts, about three towns over from where I'm broadcasting at this moment. And Hopkinton is actually uh, in the same high school golf league as, uh, as my town of Medfield, Massachusetts. It's called the Tri-Valley League. And he was a member of the Hopkinton golf team in 2004. And he's also the nephew of the LPGA golfing legend, Pat Bradley, who's from north of Boston in a town called Westford, Massachusetts. And uh, so there's been a lot of uh, of pub up here, as you would well imagine, with uh, Keegan winning in such dramatic fashion. And everybody's coming out of the woodwork now that he has become instantly famous, shall we say, and uh, saying that, you know, they all knew he was going to be special, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of evidence to that effect from his high school days, where he basically uh, shot a 69 to help his team win the state championship in the final round, and that uh, certainly showed on Sunday, where he was just it, it was over, and the 15th hole was clearly the turning point where he. Rinsed his ball and had a triple bogey 
at the 15th hole in Atlanta to go down five strokes with literally three to play. And then, uh, you know, which makes it near impossible. And then um, Jason Duffner was, you know, in the next twosome was standing on the 15th tee with a five-stroke lead. Uh, so for him to give that up was uh, downright Vandevelian, shall we say, from John Vandeveld's long-ago meltdown at the British Open. And it was just one of those rare moments in sports where uh, there was a comeback occurring at the exact same moment as a meltdown to provide, again, just absolutely riveting theater, uh, you know, Needless to say, uh, Keegan said he had his best shot of the entire tournament off the 16th tee moments after his triple bogey at 15, and then uh, got a birdie on 16, on 17 with a long, long putt, and uh, then, you know, handily won the playoff. In the meantime, Jason Duffner, who again was standing on the 15th tee with a five-shot lead with four holes to play for him, uh, started started bogeying. And, you know, that led to the playoff, which, again, uh, by that point, Duffner was done, and Keegan Bradley was just on his way and was in the zone and uh, brought it home. So it was really just uh, terrific, and it's just been a wonderful week up here in uh, Massachusetts following this kid's background, uh, and he is a kid, and he's a huge Red Sox fan. He says his dream is to throw out the first pitch at Fenway Park. I'm sure that's going to happen since he'll probably be in the, he will be in the Deutsche Bank Golf Championship in about a week and a half, starting in about a week and a half up here uh, in suburban Boston. And then he also said he wants to play around with Tom Brady. And I got the strong, strong feeling that's going to happen as well. So, moving on, uh, this week's low light is the fight in China between uh, Georgetown and the Chinese pro team. Uh, quite the crazy scene with chairs being thrown and water bottles. Crazy crowd uh, throwing water bottles and... It was just an absolute scary situation by any standard. Uh, I follow Georgetown closely. My father went to Georgetown Medical School, so I've always been a big Hoya follower. And Coach John Thompson uh, did the absolute positive right thing by uh, simply taking his team right off the court. That's the only thing you can do in that kind of a circumstance. And uh, my bizarre sports story of the week is Victor Zambrano walking out on the Chicago Cubs uh, after he gave up five homers, and then he threw it a player, and that's what led to his immediate uh, ejection from a game, and then he proceeded to basically walk off the mound and right out of the stadium. And for him, you know, it's just another in a long, long list of bizarre inc incidents perpetrated by this guy. And the Cubs, uh, you know, simply... Must, must cut ties with this guy, and hopefully they can figure out how not to pay him another penny because uh, he finally crossed the line, and uh, again, with his history and, you know, literally 
walking out on his team, uh, it's, it's time for him to go, at least from the Chicago Cubs, if not baseball altogether. And today, given the seismic news coming out of college football, I'm going to break from tradition and have a guest join us here in the first segment. So I would like to welcome Nick Infante, the editor of College Athletic Clips, who will help us sort out the current latest black eye in the crazy world of college sports. And welcome, Nick, and what a week in college football with the mess at Miami and the Texas A&M flirtation with the SEC. Uh, knowing you have your finger on the pulse of college athletics, what are your thoughts on the Miami allegations? Thank you for having me, John. Good to be here. Uh, hard to keep your finger on, on a pulse like that that's throbbing so much and changing all the time. Absolutely. Well said. That's uh, a moving target, to be sure. And I want to say, too, as, as wild as college athletics or college football in particular uh, are or is, uh, I just heard the last 30 seconds of what you said. Victor Zambrano, five home runs, stomping off the mound. And what I just saw a few minutes ago, uh, you might have heard of it or, or seen it, uh, Georgetown University basketball team is in China on what's supposedly a goodwill tour, and they had an all-out brawl that ended a game. So I just want to say uh, college football is not the only one that's uh, pretty nutty these days. Yes, uh, you can't blame this one on Georgetown but, and throw them in this uh, current state of college athletics, but uh, I referenced that. You were probably calling in as I was talking about that. I, I called that my... Uh, Weekly low light of the week. That's oh, the low light. Okay, China, yeah. and and a much deserved title, I might add. Uh, that was just ridiculous, and uh, you know. But I mean, nothing is captured. You know, the the sporting public in really in a while it seems. And I know there's something new every day. But this whole University of Miami Nevin Shapiro situation is just. Uh, captivating and you know like Zembrano the U has a has a past shall we say that I think is going to factor into the whole process uh, what were your thoughts put it this way where were you and how was it when you first heard the news did it stop you dead in your tracks well, uh, you, you bet it did, and I, you can imagine for my website, which uh, it's a service actually that I have where I provide information to athletic directors, I try to read uh, several times a day and see which, uh, which uh, articles are posted, and it just so happened the one that broke it, as I'm sure you know, was, was, was from Dan Wetzel at Yahoo Sports, uh, where he had done dozens of hours of interviews with uh, Shapiro and a lot of background and documentation that Shapiro uh, provided him. And he uh, uh, put out a lengthy, very detailed uh, article. I'm going to say it was Wednesday, uh, and I happened to come across it only a couple of hours after it was posted. And, uh, you know, I've read about and heard about and lived dozens of scandals in the eight years that I've been at it. This one already... <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. It's not funny. This one has already taken the cake, and it's going to take it even yep. more when people learn more and more. They all, John, they all revolve around money in some way or favors, uh, yep. and the, the difficulties, the scandals, and they also revolve around uh, recruiting so that the coaches are so 
desperate to get the best players and to grab them, whether it's basketball or football, before the other coaches, that they do dumb things. They willfully break some minor rules like texting or, or phoning uh, 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 prospects or, or the bump rule with the parents, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all ultimately to, to, to get a better team and get more money and, uh, and move on. The Miami, though, back to your original question, uh, yeah, I've draw dropping. Uh, we'll see how much of it is actually true. But even if half of it is, uh, we're talking about a whopper there. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's getting a lot of play up here because uh, front and center uh, is Vince Wilfork, who, the, you know, had a great career with the Patriots, just signed a long-term contract with them. And, uh, you know, to say he's a force is an understatement and uh, an overwhelming presence in all areas. But uh, let me ask you this, Nick. I mean... Nevin Shapiro, was he getting anything out of everything he was providing to these Miami players, other than the fact that he was hanging around with Miami players and all that the and all that that brings, or was it just that you know he he was you know a, a BMOC so to speak, big man mm-hmm. on campus, as a mm-hmm. result of his relationship with these players that he basically bought? Is is there anything deeper than that, or is that pretty much? Uh, Just I a think you got it. Uh, we all have egos, and we all want to yep. be noticed, and some of us really, really want to be noticed, and some of us have a lot of money like he did, even though it was, you know, by ill-gotten gains. Hell, the guy's in jail for 20 years for the, the Ponzi scheme. I don't, I don't know that there was anything more than that. That's, that's what drove it for him, was to be an insider uh, and to be buddies with uh, the players and to be a, a force uh, um, I don't know if there was anything more uh, more than that. That that, that was an, an ends to itself, right? A player, so to speak, even though he wasn't a player for the team. Yeah, I hear you. And, and again, I'm not a tall guy. I'm five foot seven, by the way. This guy Nevin was only is only five foot five. If you've seen the pictures, uh, so oh, I, I doubt he was any much of an athlete. Certainly not in basketball or football. Um, and then you whatever you go on to the next thing as an adult, and you either make money or you start a family or whatever you do. And if you, like I say, the, the the pictures of him with these huge football players uh, are, are almost comical. He's a good-looking young man and all that, but looks like he's far from an athlete. Uh, and the, the speaking of pictures, uh, I don't know if you saw it, John. It, it's sad. It really is. I'm not reveling in this uh, at all. Uh, there was a picture, I believe it was three or four years ago, it happened to be taken in a bowling alley of all places, and they had that mascot right next to the president, Donna Shalala, who had yep. what is supposedly that $50,000 check in her hand that he had just donated to the uh, school. Uh, and, you know, one could believe that, that Donna Shalala or any president uh, really didn't know the depths uh, of, of what he was up to. She, she's a president of a major university. She doesn't know everything that goes on. Uh, on the one hand, you could believe that. On the other, if you remember that Dan Wetzel story, he had a terrific uh, lead-in where he described in the first uh, three or four paragraphs where uh, it was an o- orange bowl, uh, bowl game and... Uh, uh, it was, I believe, four or five years ago, and Miami was getting killed by somebody. Uh, ended up being 32 to nothing, or 28 to nothing, or whatever it was. And uh, this guy Nevin Shapiro, mar- all five foot five of them, by the way, marched up to the guy who was the compliance uh, director for the University of Miami and attacked him. And there were many, many, 
you know, witnesses. I don't know how something like that doesn't get reported or uh, that everybody in the uh, University of Miami uh, uh, doesn't hear about that, including the president. Maybe somehow it didn't get there, but um, that, <laughs> that, that photo was, just didn't look good for her. Right. Well, again, there's a pretty lengthy history, and we're just about to take our break, but I'll close by saying, uh, again, you know, these universities have to watch out who they get in bed with, and, uh, you know, clearly, I mean, at minimum, there was obviously whispers about who this Nevin Shapiro was, at minimum, and obviously, I think it went far beyond that, and that, you know, he was known by all, shall we say, at the U, and they just let it go on, and... You know, they may not have known everything he was doing, but I think they certainly had a sense of what he was all about, shall we say. And, and it should have uh, sent up lots and lots of red flags. But, and even if it did, if, it, if, it, if they didn't pick up on the red flag, shame on them. And if it did send up red flags and they ignored him, shame on them again. Um, but anyway, with that Here said... Nick, uh, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And Nick will be sticking with us for the second segment, and we'll get into a little uh, SEC talk with uh, the Texas A&M flirtation, and uh, we'll be back right after the break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemont Williams. Each week, join Lemont as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, Voice America, to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's typically that time of the show when we have guests join us, but we've already gotten underway with that, and 
Today, we were fortunate to still have with us uh, Nick Infante, founder and editor of College Athletic Clips. And Nick, we just covered uh, the mess in Miami, shall we say, and other huge news this week in college football, the biggest of which was uh, Texas A&M flirting with uh, joining the SEC. Uh, the ramifications are gigantic. Uh, what were your thoughts on that, uh, and what might it mean for uh, what's out on the horizon for the so-called landscape that is just simply a three or four super conferences comprising college sports or college football specifically? When you say big news, it certainly is or, or will be, and uh, Texas uh, is just a, an amazing state. It's huge, and it's uh, even bigger in their uh, interest in football. They are very much football nuts there. Uh, the University of Texas is so big and so strong, and they're far and away have the biggest budget uh, uh, of all the uh, schools. Uh, and that's uh, their conference, the Big 12, is quite different than all of the other uh, BCS conferences in that Texas take, and Oklahoma to a certain extent, take a, a disproportionate distribution of the, the money. Uh, and in the other uh, conferences, most of the schools get equal shares of all of the TV money and the bowl money. But Texas has enough clout that they they were able to do that and as you might recall uh when the big 12 was a was uh, about to blow up last year uh the tv networks came in and anteed up money to placate uh the the t- the schools other than than uh, the new university of texas so here's texas a&m uh, a, a longtime uh, rival of uh Texas and uh, not getting nearly as much money uh, from the distributions, and they're geographically not that far away from uh, all of the SEC teams. Um, and the SEC is there with only you know you got to they're all wanting to go to 16 schools. It's a very nice easy split of two divisions of eight schools each, and so. Uh, so uh, the SEC is looking at the possibility of going to 14, and um, the further uh, thing that happened was that the Longhorn Network, which is the the ESPN-funded network of the University of Texas, Texas um, really upset uh, all of the other schools in the Big 12. You may remember that uh, they were going to, but it got stopped. They were going to broadcast... Uh, high school games, which would have given the University of Texas uh, an unfair advantage. So when Texas A&M uh, realized all this, uh, I, it depends on who you want to believe about who approached who first, but there were talks made between Texas A&M and the SEC, and uh, it didn't happen this time around. Uh, some smart people are trying to figure out how they can make it happen, but if it isn't Texas A&M, It'll be somebody else uh, that's going to move from one of the other conferences into the SEC. You've got ACC schools that might move as well. Um, and even the politics. You might remember Governor Perry there in Texas stepped right in and, uh, uh, you know, had his say. It's big there. You know, I'm, I'm from Connecticut. We're, there are probably 60 or 80 million of us here in the Northeast that grew up with um, – you know, what we thought was big-time college football, maybe Yale versus Harvard or a Boston College game here and there or Syracuse, it's nothing compared to the the entire SEC um, and, and Texas A&M and Texas football. 
So if it doesn't. Oh, happen, absolutely. Yeah, and, and as you well know, Nick, uh, I grew up near Penn State. Literally grew up selling cokes at Beaver Stadium. So, uh, but still, it's all changed. I mean, I I grew up and it was Penn State was Eastern football. They used to win something called, and you'll remember this, the Lambert Cup, and uh, the Lambert Trophy, and uh, you know now Penn State's in the Big Ten. That may have been the thing that started this change years ago when Penn State made that move, which always seemed just so odd to all of us in Pennsylvania because, trust me, when you grew up in Pennsylvania, you yeah. consider yourself an Easterner. And then, you know, and now the with Penn State, the Big Ten has 12 teams, the Big 12 has 10 teams, and it's all, <laughs> it's all just crazy. And, you know, in my mind, before we move on to the next topic I want to discuss, let me just close by saying, in my mind, you know... It, Texas A&M has lived in the shadow of Texas forever, and the uh, you know the deal breaker was uh, the straw that broke the camel's back was simply the uh, Longhorn Network that just did it, and that's when they I think Texas A&M just threw up their hands and said it's time to move on. It's never going to change, and uh, we'll see how it turns out. But you know. The other high-profile case of recent uh, months, obviously, is Ohio State. And what's interesting is it's, it's as topical today as it was the day it broke, which is simply that, you know, this whole Terrell Pryor uh, situation of being, uh, being ruled eligible for the NFL supplemental draft this coming Monday, but yet the NFL suspending him for five games to start his NFL career if he gets drafted. I assume he will, but not high. And, you know, and of course, it's not a coincidence, you know, the Ohio State had suspended him for the first five games of the season. So it's really, uh, this is a first. This is a really a first situation mm -hmm. where, like, the NFL almost seems to be carrying out what was going to be a school and or NCAA suspension and nothing like this has ever happened before so it's, it's just like these two meshing worlds get it gets crazier and crazier as the two worlds mesh here i hear you um and um this one i'm not that far uh, up on um it sounds like the nfl did this in solidarity with uh, the ncaa to speak uh, so to speak um and uh, many say that the NFL is, uh, been get, has been getting a, uh, a minor league with really right. not much direct or any funding, let's face it, officially. Um, so that's the least they can do is, is help the NCAA along by perhaps sending a message to other schools, other players, that if you, you know, misstep in the NCAA, that doesn't mean you're going to have a smooth sailing um, into the NFL. Bingo. You said it perfectly. That's exactly what I think they're doing. Yeah. For the future as much as the present. And, uh, but, you know, what do you, you know, given our discussion of Miami, I mean, what's your thoughts on Ohio State as you look in the rearview mirror uh, from three, four, five months ago, which I know you covered extensively and obviously. Right. Well, that's a much different situation. We know uh, that the U, Miami, has a, has a notorious bad boys or lax supervision uh, back. I, I looked it up. They're, uh, back in 95, what the uh, violation was was 
Pell Grant fraud. Pell Grant is a federal program that gets money into the hands of uh, uh, students or student athletes that do not come from you know wealthy backgrounds. And somebody in the athletic department there at Miami uh, was arranging it so that undeserving student athletes, football players, were getting Pell Grant federal money. That's a bad, bad thing. That's fraud in every letter of the word. Uh, and what they're being uh, accused of, this Nevin uh, Shapiro and uh, uh, and, and the student athletes. Last I counted, what did you hear, John? Seventy-two of them over the eight or ten years. Seventy-two football players at Miami took some sort of favors or money or gifts from him. That's a lot. Right. That's widespread. Um, Very. So what they're being accused of is uh, different than Ohio State because at Ohio State it wasn't widespread. We're talking four or six or maybe eight uh, football players. Uh, and we're also talking uh, about a a coach, J- Jim Tressel, who who knew something about it for six months or so and, and sat on it. Uh, his ar- his argument was that it was for the good of the students, uh, student athletes. One could almost believe that. I don't know. And then, unfortunately, there was that uh, you know that that uh, press conference where uh, the athletic director uh, Gene Smith and uh, the president, Gordon Gee, were there with Jim Tressel, and that's be- when they said then, uh, only a month ago, so uh, months or so after it broke, uh, that they were going to stick with their uh, their coach, and then it just wasn't going to happen, and uh, Tressel uh, obviously uh, resigned. What you see at Ohio State is a uh, school that has been so dominant and is so big, second, by the way, to Texas in their budget, right. their, their uh, athletic budget, um, and is has so many avid, rabid fans that are alumni or Ohio residents, but as is often the case with a, the big guy like that, whether it's the Yankees or the Dallas Cowboys and whatever sport, uh, there's a lot of uh, animosity toward the, the big guy. And uh, when they have had these stumbles uh, these last few months, and when Trussell himself had to resign, there was... It's sad that there were so many people rejoicing that uh, um, you know they're in they're in dire straits here. I, I don't know Tressel personally. I've certainly read a lot about him, and it, it's believable. It's documented that he's he's done years and years and years worth of good work with uh, underprivileged athletes from backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he did something wrong, uh, and you're not supposed to have mitigating circumstances where just because you did good things for several years, if you do something bad, you can't let it go. So, so he's gone. It's really sad. It's a it's a different kind of sadness, uh, different kind of a well stink than it is uh, at Miami, though. Oh, I and totally I, agree. I know Next. enough about them. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna come back, and they're gonna be fine. They're gonna have a tough year this year. Or maybe they have a t- couple tough games and they'll just get their confidence back. I don't know. Uh, no question, although they were rated in the top 25, I saw. So uh, they might not have too tough a year, but not up to the standard they're used to. And Nick, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. And I want to alert listeners to your website, which I believe is www.collegeathleticclipsoneword.com. Is that correct? Correct, except for one word. It's college athletics. Plural, collegeathleticsclips.com. 
it is a trade service where 95, 98% of my uh, subscribers are in the business, but avid fans might be interested, and if they want to go there and sign themselves up for a free trial subscription, we'd love to have them. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, the benefits of listening to Voice America and all-around sports. Uh, so right. I want to thank you for that. And uh, Nick, thanks again for your time and your perspective. is very enlightening. And uh, we will have you on again as this crazy world of college sports really kicks it into high gear with the beginning of football season and what? Something that sounds like uh, about two weeks. So I can't wait, as yeah, Bart Scott about said. The games themselves. That'll be great. Exactly. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And uh, with that said, uh, we're going to take our break. And joining us on the other side, as usual, will be Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Super Bowl champ Lionel Dalton is taking to the internet airwaves with his own brand of sports talk. You'll go inside the mind of the players and find out if blacklisting really happens, what their thoughts are on training camps, where the former NFL players are now, and why being drafted by the wrong NFL team can kill a promising player's career. Lionel will also cover what's up with the Baltimore Ravens. Tune in to Sports Talk with Lionel Dalton live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you think that all of the generic financial information you get every day is hard to navigate? You need to tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook. Every weekend, Andreas Duffy will help you filter out this information and turn it into wisdom that you can really use. Be informed about the financial decisions you're about to make instead of just blindly making decisions. Andre's connections in the business and professional sports world will help you so you don't need to worry about your financial success. Tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at i i r at comcast dot net, and it's that time of the show when we have our weekly call in expert Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post, and welcome Barry, and uh, let's start off with the uh, NFL in week two of the preseason. Uh, I watched two games last night. I'll start with the Patriots. Tampa Bay Bucks, and uh, that was an absolute beatdown of epic proportions. Uh, Tom Brady was awesome going up and down the field. Uh, Ocho Cinco caught a touchdown. Most interestingly, the Patriots' defense was absolutely smothering. And uh, talk a little bit about the Patriots' Bucks again. Uh, Tom Brady making his first appearance of this season. 
And let's not forget he had uh, surgery on his foot after the playoff loss to the Jets last January. Uh, Tom Brady was just uh, incredible. Literally just making it look easy would be an understatement. Just going up and down the field at will. And uh, it was nice to see him hit Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson with a uh, with a nice touchdown pass. And uh, where and just a few plays prior to that, Ocho got absolutely drilled helmet to helmet. So he showed his toughness uh, in a hurry in a Patriots uniform. It was his first appearance too. He didn't. Neither of them played in last week's first preseason game. And uh, so yeah. That will endear him to Boston fans, Ocho Cinco, uh, showing that kind of toughness in literally his, basically his first play as a Patriot. As a longtime Patriot observer and 16-year season ticket holder, based here 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium, what really impressed me was simply the dominating defense. Josh Freeman, the very, very capable Tampa Bay Bucks quarterback who, and many, have very high expectations for the Bucks this year. They had a nice year last year, and yeah, he was absolutely befuddled. And Jared Mayo and a lot of other Patriots really, uh, you know, really, again, just completely smothered. Barry, are you back with us? I am, John. Sorry about that. Again, the, uh, the perils of live radio and, uh, and cell phones and such, but we're here. Oh, no problem. These things happen. I was just talking about the Patriots-Bucks beatdown last night, and... Uh, just love to get your observations on what you thought of uh, the Patriots' performance specifically, because the Bucks didn't have much of one. No, they sure didn't, and uh, I, I think uh, you know certainly you, you could certainly make the case that uh, you know Tom Brady looked and the Pats' offense looked like they're in uh, pretty much midseason form, and uh, I don't know if there's anybody was really you know worried worried or concerned about them uh, coming in, but uh, there probably is no reason to be. They they looked really good. You know, they scored three touchdowns in the first quarter, so. Uh, you know, a nice, uh, you know, a nice uh, performance for uh, Mr. Brady and company, and obviously, uh, you know, the defense uh, played played pretty well. And uh, you know, again, Tampa Bay didn't show very much. So, yeah, good night for the Pats for sure. Well, it really was, and again, uh, you know, I, I I'm gonna presume it was more the Pats dominating versus Tampa Bay not showing up. Although you could make the case it was a little both. Uh, but, you know, yeah, the, the Bucks are supposed to be, uh, you know, a pretty good team, and they won their first preseason game handily. Not that it's not that they won it, it's how they won it, and they looked impressive. Uh, but, yeah, the Patriots, what I like the most is, is simply this. The Patriots simply have to play every game, including last night, including the next two preseason games, and every game thereafter with a chip on their shoulder and a nastiness so that when, hopefully, or inevitably, I think, with this team, uh, the playoffs arrive and the Patriots are in them, that, uh, that they, they, they show up with an attitude uh, because they haven't the last two years and their losses to the uh, Jets and the Ravens. And I think what we saw last night was the beginning of that. I really do. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I agree. And I, but you know, I, at the same time, I think you know, we all have to kind of you know, temper expectations when it comes to preseason because, you know, as, as, as we know, you know, they, they don't really start counting until you get to the regular season. And I've, I can remember, uh, you know, teams starting out very well in the preseason and they, they wind up winning four games. And sometimes you have a poor preseason and do very well. But, you know, you have to base something. You have to base the preseason on something. So, uh, you know, certainly you'd, you'd much rather look good in the preseason than not. 
but you know, uh, you know, I think we, I think we have to be very careful when you're, you know, when you're judging the performance of a team in the preseason because you know, really, uh, you know, it doesn't really count till then. You know, you know, you don't know what what the opposition is doing. You know, they might be looking at certain guys or looking at certain schemes, trying different things. And of course, you know, this preseason too, there's there'd be a lot more question marks now because of the, the truncated uh, training camps and such and. You know, going to be a lot of injuries and uh, you know things that we've discussed before. So, but all that said, yeah, I mean, you'd much rather have have the Pats uh, and other teams that that do uh, perform well in the preseason uh, playing well than not. So, you know, you can certainly take it for what it's worth there. Sure. And before we jump into the next game, I want to discuss. Uh, let me just close by saying, you know. I felt a little bit of 2007 when I watched that last night, and I know it was a preseason game, but you know that was the year of, of course, the undefeated regular season, but just as importantly, Spygate and Bill Belichick and the Patriots against the world, and they had, they had an attitude that year until the Super Bowl, and then, uh, and I, I don't know, that, that, that was just the thoughts that were in my mind as I was watching that first quarter last night. Uh, and there was another interesting first quarter uh, that I thought was very telling, and that, of course, was the national game on Fox, which was uh, the Eagles and the Steelers. As you well know, I'm from Pennsylvania, so right. the battle with the Keystone State got my attention, and uh, obviously uh, my first thought was that uh, the Eagles didn't look like the dream team that we thought they were. No, more of a nightmare, right? I mean, uh, Nightmare. You know. There you go. Michael Vick was not uh, not even close to being accurate. I mean, you know, through through several interceptions and uh, pretty much suffocated by the uh, you know. You can make the case that the the, the, the again the Steelers played played a better game than the Eagles did, but uh, you know, Michael Vick really looked off. He really looked rusty, and uh, you know, when 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 you come out with pronouncements or you know uh, accolades, you know. Off-season moves, et cetera. I mean, we saw it happen with with, with the other dream team in Miami, uh, the Miami Heat last year. You know, you're going to have a target on your back all year. You're going to have a you're be in the crosshairs. You know, target on your back, however you want to put it. And people are going to be gunning for you all year long. And that's and that starts now. So you know, for better or for worse, this, this is this is the hand that the, the Eagles have played. And you know, obviously they were the, the they were the Super Bowl champions of the of the off season. Let's put it that way. But uh, right. you know, once you get on the field, uh, you know, I think that uh, you know a lot of that stuff, you know, will rankle the opposition. You know, certainly once you get into the regular season, certainly once you get into the NFC East games against uh, the Giants and the Cowboys and the Redskins, and you know, they're going to be on uh, national TV a lot this year. So um, I think you're going to see a lot of teams really rise into the occasion to play them, and I, I think I I kind of think it might be a little more difficult a season for the Eagles than some other people uh, might be thinking, uh, just for those reasons. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I just think, you know, and I think we saw it last night, and and believe it or not, you know, the, 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 this is sort of a annual tradition preseason game, and, you know, even though it's preseason, people in Pennsylvania, they do care uh, about winning, you know, you know, the winner of that game, and I just think that... Uh, Again, what I perceived last night with the Steelers, let's not forget, coming off a Super Bowl loss, and they got smoked by Rex Grossman, of all people, in their preseason opener last week. Uh, I sensed they were taking great joy in beating the Eagles, as as well as were their fans at the stadium. And I got the feeling 
that that is going to be pervasive throughout the NFL this this year, no matter what already. I mean, it's already underway that, you know, beating the Eagles is going to be a downright battle cry. And, you know, with the rivals in the NFC East, which is, uh, you know, a rough division, shall we say. And I just think that, again, uh, teams are going to get up for the Eagles Frankly, as much as they would for, you know, like the Packers, as in the defending Super Bowl champions, I think it's just going to be a a game that teams circle on their calendar. And, boy, I got the feeling the Eagles are really going to have to bring it every week or they're going to get embarrassed. Yep, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, when you when you when you have that that aura, that uh, whatever you want to call it, of, of you know, being the, a targeted team. You know, it doesn't matter who you play. You can be playing the best team in the league or the worst. You know, it's uh, you know, there everybody's going to be going to going to want to get extra gratification from uh, from beating the Eagles this year. And beating the Eagles will be sweet for a lot of teams. You know, if you know, and who knows? It's it's up to the Eagles to back it up. You know, the Eagles could you know could work the other way too. The Eagles could go out there and you know get that get their act together and just you know just just roll. I mean, it could happen. However, you know, I I, I do think that. Uh, you know, Andy Reid's a pretty good coach, pretty pretty bright guy, and he's been doing this a long time. And uh, you know, they have a, a really a, a, a great organization there. But uh, you know, they're gonna. But yeah, you're right. I mean, they're gonna have, they're gonna have to bring it every week, or else uh, face the possible consequences of you know being the being the butt of jokes during during the week. So uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, and you're right. And before we take our break, let me just say that. Uh... Yeah, I, I, I just, the Eagles are a good organization. They're stable, and you know they're not going to fall off the cliff. I'm not saying that. And unlike you know teams that are just a, an assembled group of all stars, and and maybe it takes them a while to get going. If and by a while, I mean sometimes a year or two. Uh, this is you know a pretty good team that added a lot of superstars in a crazy, crazy year, and. Uh, so we'll see how it unfolds with Barry. Uh, it's time to take our break, and uh, glad you're sticking around. So we'll be back on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The Sports Mavericks show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. 
That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Well, Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And I'm still here with Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And, Barry, we were talking some NFL preseason football. And one thing that uh, is already jumping out at us and every other football fan in America is the new kickoff rule where they're kicking off now from uh, the 35, five yards closer to the opposite end zone than they were. So basically, uh, many, many kicks are not being returned here in the preseason. Um, Patriots have a, a kid out of UMass, a rookie, who is literally kicking it almost every time right out of the end zone. So all of a sudden, what may be the most exciting play in all of football seems to be practically disappearing from the NFL when we recognize all the safety concerns and the statistics on kickoffs with injuries. But what are your thoughts on this uh, new kickoff rule? Well, it's, you know, it, it, you know, obviously the reason we, you know, as you say, we know why it was done because of, you know, the, uh, the, the staggering amount of uh, injuries on kickoff returns. You know, you have, you have guys you know, running at pretty full speeds for, you know, pretty good distances, you know, banging into each other and concussions, you know, what have you. And, you know, certainly, uh, you know, at the college level, we've seen, you know, worse injuries than that uh, on, on kickoff. So, um, you know, certainly the, the, the young man from uh, Rutgers last season, Eric LeGrand, being the, the prime example of that. But, you know, you, you kind of start to wonder about, you know, how much do you really want to play with the rules that much? And, you know, I, I think the game is changing enough because you know a lot of people wondering too about you know training camp now you know the the, the you know the not going two day practices and you know the the, the lack of hitting uh, during training camp you know I think there's a lot of coaches that would probably prefer to have it the other way and uh, you know then you have uh, you know uh, coaches like uh, Bill Belichick saying you know what, what they want to do next you know maybe maybe we'll just start putting the ball to twenty yard line and get ready to kick off all together if that's what they want you know. Um, you know, I, I, I agree. The kickoff is exciting, and you know, you hate to see it tampered with that much. I mean, you know, back in the back in the day, uh, they did kick off from the forty yard line. But you know, I think that you know, one of the reasons why they did that too was I'm not, I'm not so sure it was a safety concern back when they changed that rule the first time. I think it was more a fact that you know there were so many kickers with stronger legs that were kicking it out of the end zone. It's like, well. You know, if we move the kickoff back five yards, maybe we'll get some more returns and, and maybe we'll spice it up a little bit. I think that was the reason why it was done the first time. But now you're going back the other way and because of safety concerns. And, you know, again, we, we get that, we understand that, we appreciate it. I'm not so sure that it'll make the game better. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of have, have to agree with, with, with Bill on this one. Uh, you know, it, it is an exciting play. And, you know, and I think certainly – there are some teams that, that have distinct advantages in the, in the special teams area. You know, you look at the Chicago Bears, you know, Devin Hester is a threat anytime he touches the ball. And there are, there are other teams that have, you know, uh, have similar guys that, that can, you know, turn a game around with one kickoff return. So, you know, you kind of have to wonder if it's really, really, really in the best interest of the game. I'm, I'm not so sure. 
Yeah, and I agree. And uh, again, I, I sense all the concerns. Uh, but you know, the, but nothing changes a game or swings the momentum like a kickoff return, which is most of the time it's often following, of course, another team scoring a touchdown. Right. And to have that answered with a kickoff return for a touchdown, uh, just always, again, nothing affects the flow of a game like that. And, you know, that said, last night in the fourth quarter of that absolutely, absolute blowout, Patriots are just, you know, coasting. Danny Woodhead gets absolutely clocked, not on a kickoff return, but a punt return. And no penalty called, but boy... When he uh, when he hit the when he hit the ground and then he got up and he he wobbled like a boxer, you know that had just been you know had gotten like two left right combinations. I mean, again, split second, but really really scary looking. And apparently he's fine, but you know and he is a tough tough guy to put it mildly. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, you know, there it was right there and perfect, you know. In evidence last night as to, you know, what can happen on these plays, which I know can happen on any play, but this was a classic, you know, people running long distances, uh, picking up speed as they went, uh, just as you said. So well, it know, is really bear watching. Yeah, I mean, it does, ha- and they all, it, it can happen on any play. I mean, you know, and there was another play earlier in that game when uh, Ochocinco went over, the, went over the middle for a pass, and he got laid out too, and he jumped right back up. So it can happen anytime. I mean, it's a violent game. I mean, it is, and it's just the way it is. Guys are bigger than they used to be, stronger than they used to be, faster than they used to be. You're going to have injuries. I think that's just that's just a, that just comes with territory. It really does, and it always always has been that way. And you know, maybe more so now because you know, again, because the guys are bigger, stronger, and faster, and going at higher speeds. And you know, the equipment is better, but at the same time, it's there. But it's more like suits of armor now than they used to wear, you know, you know the, the equipment does protect you better in high collisions, but it, it could also be used as weapons, you know, and not, not, I'm not saying guys are going out to deliberately hurt an opponent because, you know, most cases you're not, but, you know, these guys do have that, uh, that warrior aspect, uh, to them. And, uh, you know, that, that's, 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 that's bred in a football player. So, you know, you can't, you can't, Slow it down. You can't turn it off, and you know that, that, that. I think that's just kind of the way it is. And you know, I think more so this year because of the reasons we said. And there's going to be more injuries, and I think we're just going to have to kind of deal with some of these things this year. I agree. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, and uh, you know, and, mo- and moving back more into the names uh, rather than sort of the intangibles of the game. Uh, you're down. You're obviously worked the New York Post and. Been an interesting off season with uh, with the New York Giants and OCU Manura, and now all of a sudden he's getting a scope after having contract squabbles that they got squared away just within the past few days. Uh, what's the word in New York uh, on OC? Well, it, it, it's interesting that you know after all the all the, the all the theatrics of you know wanting a new contract and you know wanting to be traded and. All this, you know, will I will I will I practice? Will I not practice? Well, now you you, you have to have your knee scope. You're going to be out for a month anyway. I, I guess, and, and, and you know, the, the one factor as well. There's certainly not going to be traded now because who's going to trade for a guy with a with a with a knee injury who's going to be out for four weeks? And the other question I think has to be asked is, you know, why why was there why did we wait so long for him to have this procedure done? I mean, obviously, if the knee was bothering him. 
Uh, it would have been done sooner. You know, again, I, I, I do think that, you know, the answer to that is, uh, you know, because we had the lockout. And I think if we had the regular uh, OTAs, regular mini camp, regular off season, you know, I think this might have been addressed sooner and he probably would have had scope done sooner. And then we would be, you know, that much further ahead here. You know, it's just one example. But uh, again, I think this is going to be a recurring theme this year of uh, guys getting hurt and guys having problems. But, uh, you know, certainly uh, it, 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 will be a, it will be a problem not having OC there. However, you know, it, it opens the door for a guy, a second-year man like Jason Pierre-Paul, who, had, who was one of the few Giants who looked really good last week uh, in the opening preseason loss to Carolina. So you know, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of this young guy uh, the next few weeks and the next couple of months. And really, uh, you know, everybody's been talking about him in New York. He's, 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 a, he's a, a physical freak, you know, uh, kind of a Javon Curse-like. Uh, you know, they're, in fact, they're already, already calling him a freakish kind of, uh, kind of athlete. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he progresses. But, he, but now with OC out, he's definitely going to get his chance to play. So uh, that'll be real interesting to see. Yes, and while we're on the subject, and to close the show, because we're uh, under two minutes now, uh, what was the thoughts in New York about the Jets' opening game? Um, you know, uh, I think the first team looked good for the short time they were in there. I mean, they obviously had their problems uh, protecting the quarterback. They had some problems on defense, and, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think Rex and the Jets are, are that concerned. I think they were more happy about how you know they were able to move the ball pretty well early on. Uh, you know Sanchez, I think uh, I think looked decent. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's too many concerns there. And as we you know as we get on to uh, you know the, the next few games of the preseason, uh, you know I think you'll start to see the first team getting more and more work. So you know a lot of a lot of anticipation there too. And you know there, there are some questions too with the Jets about you know the age of their receivers. I mean they chose to go the uh, established veteran route. Uh, you know, signing uh, Plaxico Burris and uh, and uh, Derek Mason, but uh, you know, will be interesting to see uh, if their health holds out. I mean, Plaxico has already been in a health issue uh, early on, and uh, you know, for the Jets' sake, you know, hoping that uh, that that straightens itself out. Well, you know, I'm sure it will. And Barry, hard to believe that we're at the end of another show. I want to thank you again for appearing. And, uh, you know, we're in the dog days of August, so uh, weekend viewing of sports is a little thin these days. But speaking of the dog days, my pick of the weekend for uh, TV watching would be the Little League World Series and uh, perhaps preseason or game or two on the NFL front. But thank you, Barry. Thank you, John, as always. All right. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.